our subject tonight is a difficult one. <coughs> a subject that it is absolutely mandatory and unavoidable to address at the present time, but it is one of the most unpleasant and frankly emotionally as well as spiritually difficult topics to address. I speak of what the devil is doing now. Persecution, they are coming for our children. Look with me, please, to the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, verse 28. In Luke's Passion Narrative. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us to the hills, cover us. This is quite a, quite a prophecy indeed. Jesus is being crucified. He's on the Via Dolorosa on his way to his, his death on behalf of us and our place to die for our sin. And women are weeping over him. Consolation, grief, knowing he's righteous. Some of them maybe even knowing he's the Messiah. And he says, don't weep for me. Weep for yourself and for your children. Days are coming when they'll say, blessed are the women who never had children. Um, now, we have to understand, in its historical perspective, Jesus was speaking about the events that would come after his death in a single generation, 40 years later. He was speaking to the events of 70 AD, to the events of 70 AD. The predictions of Daniel and Jesus that the Messiah would come and die before the second temple would be destroyed <coughs> were literally and historically fulfilled. And we read a historical account of those prophecies being fulfilled in Josephus. The epistle to the Hebrews also says the temple would be destroyed. But the terrible situation with what was happening inside the city and the way the Sikkim, the zealots, were perpetrating crimes against their own people. The children were in such a dire state, it became so desperate that they would wait for a pregnant woman to have a baby so they would have something to eat. And Josephus tells us there would be food riots over the afterbirth, the placenta. The same thing happened with the fall of Samaria uh, in, in 585 BC. And the same thing happened in 720 BC with the fall of Jerusalem under the Babylonians. They resorted to cannibalism, but even eating their children. Unspeakable. That is how terrible the world will become. Now, I do believe before that happens, the faithful believers will be taken out of here. 
the faithful believers will be taken out of here, the way they were rescued from Jerusalem in 70 AD. I'm not pre-tribulational. I believe, I'm sure, the church will enter the tribulation, but it will not face the wrath of God when these things happen. But we do know there's going to be a targeting of children by the forces that be. Now, Satan has always done this, and he's done it under various auspices. We've warned many times that what we see now in the modern world with non-therapeutic abortion is a repetition of the sins of the Canaanites and of King Molech, the human sacrifice of babies. You have babies that can survive easily in an incubator and sometimes even non-incubated. And they're being aborted for no clinical or medical reason. Routinely, the corpses of these children are used for stem cell harvesting. In China, there's cases where they're used for cosmetics to, to take the collagen from the aborted fetal tissue as an ingredient in cosmetics for export. And then, of course, the remains are largely incinerated, incinerated. The babies are burned. This is what happens with Moloch worship. And of course, we are told Israel did not get away with this. Judah did not get away with this. Once you begin murdering the children, it's a society and a nation that's gone too far. And of course, we live in a society and a nation that has gone too far. We have our major national leaders. I remember watching Hillary Clinton saying on a news clip that babies should be aborted up until the day they were born. They should be able to be aborted. They, they could survive easily, but they should be aborted. It's a woman's right to choose. Unbelievable. Or partial birth abortion. And Barack Obama voted to allow partial birth abortion when he was a member of the Senate in Illinois. Or Clinton, when Bill Clinton twice vetoed congressional bans on partial birth abortion. We've spoken about these evils many times. But this is the beginning. They're coming after the children. What I'm talking about tonight, though, is they're coming after the children of Christians. We know that in cults and in false religions, pedophilia is rife. Certainly among Mormons, certainly in the history of, of even mainstream Mormonism, certainly in fundamentalist Mormonism, certainly widespread in Jehovah's Witnesses, rather common in its homosexual variety in ultra-Orthodox Jewish yeshivas. There are suppressed instances even in the Amish culture, anything cultic that's religious. This week, a pop singer in Turkey was criminally sentenced for telling a social commentary joke about people being turned into sexual perverts in madrasas, Islamic schools. Telling the truth is a crime in Turkey. 
and there are those who want to make it a crime in America, Britain, and Canada, and Australia, and New Zealand. These things go on. The biggest malefactor, of course, is the Roman Catholic Church, where for centuries, centuries, the priests have sexually, and more commonly, 80, 80 to 85% of the time, homosexually molested children. The institutionalized protection of pedophiles has gone on in the Roman Catholic Church for generations. And most of the pedophilia is of a homosexual nature, not all of it. It's gone on. The, the church, its hierarchy, its clergy, the Vatican, the papacy, they protect the sex criminals, not the children. This is Roman Catholicism, and it's all over the world, and it's not isolated instances. It's widespread. Now the world knows it. But they never taught it was normal. They never thought it was normal. In the last few weeks, there have been news clips of sociologists saying that pedophiles are marg socially marginalized people. We need to stop marginalizing them and call them minor attracted individuals. Minor attracted people, we should call them maps. Why won't you call it a pedophile? Notice they are making efforts to make it socially acceptable and to decriminalize it. There are even moves afoot to do the same with bestiality. These, of course, are the sins of the Canaanites. It's moving in that direction, but they're coming after children. They want to make it legal. Now, so far, it seems like a minority. It will become a vocal minority, and then they will eventually make political inroads, the same as they always have with all of these things. Remember, a generation ago, if you said same-sex marriage or homosexual adoption, lesbians or two homosexual men adopting children, it would have been unthinkable. But once the devil gets his foot in the door, he's in the room. It's only a matter of time, and he will push. And when you have a lukewarm church, a church that is worldly and compromised, a church that is even, in many sense, sense or many cases, I should say, corrupted doctrinally, morally, and financially, the kind of things we see, the sex scandals and the financial scandals we see in things like Hillsong, or that we saw with the PTL club and these things. The church is not salt and light. What's going to stop it? They're coming after the children. They've always gone after the children of the unsaved. Now they want to come after the children of saved Christians. October 5th of last year, the Deputy Attorney General under Merrick Garland, Lisa Monica. Oh boy. In response to demands by radical leftists in the teachers' unions and in the educational establishment, she said the Justice Department is going to monitor parents who begin protesting 
at school boards over their children being taught things the parents don't agree with morally, including in the area of sexuality, in order to protect the school board members. <coughs> in other words, these parents who are showing up at these meetings and protesting are seen as a potential violent threat to the school board members who are demanding the right to teach their children it's normal to be a homosexual. And the <coughs> Justice Department is already acting on this. Remember, and I'm not trying to issue a political polemic here, because America, Britain, and the other Protestant democracies have turned against the biblical heritage. Democracy is disappearing, I've said this. They are following the ideas and ideals of Saint-Just, of Robespierre, of Balat, of the people who were the ringleaders of the French Revolution, who were godless. They were godless humanists and elitists. <coughs> this was in diametric contrast to the founders of parliamentary democracy in Britain and the founding fathers of the United States who were theists. The United States was founded on the principle that rights come from God. They're endowed by their creator. God is the source of rights, not government, God. The rights are inalienable. God gave them, nobody can take them away. With the elitists, the government gives them and the government can take them away. And we saw this happen in, in, hit with the Hitler youth. We saw it happen in Russia. And we saw the KGB and what they did as a political police force in Russia or the East German uh, Stasi. Well, now the FBI is a KGB. The FBI has literally become a KGB, a political police force. The IRS is being expanded into a political police force. We have the Nazification of federal law enforcement in the United States. It's the Nazification. They should change the name of the FBI to KBG. Now, again, I'm not trying to politically editorialize on other issues, but it, just look at the point. Knowing dossiers were forged, knowing that there was no substance and allegations made against the presidential candidate, a corrupt FBI went to a FISA court to get the court's consent to carry on surveillance against presidential candidate, knowing the evidence was devoid of substance. It was a forgery paid for by the Clinton campaign and they did it anyway and have not been held to account. You saw Hunter Biden since 2019, they had his computer. They knew what he is and what he did. And they went to Facebook and Zuckerberg now admits the FBI told them and pressured them not to put anything out about Hunter Biden. It's Russian disinformation. When the FBI knew it wasn't, they just lied. It is a corrupt 
KGB Gestapo. It's not a legitimate law enforcement organization anymore. It's something that is certainly anti-American and it's anti-justice. It's just corrupt. But the forces of government want to unleash it against Christian parents. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've warned against conspiracy theories for many years. Our teacher from Isaiah 8 specifically alerts the church not to pay attention to conspiracy theories. But it's not a theory. They openly have done these things and stated these things and are doing these things and intend to do more of these things. To target Christian parents? as potential domestic terrorists because they are objecting to what their children are being taught in the area of sexual normalcy and, and normality at ages as young as five? And those not acquiescing are being called homophobes and guilty of hate by the hell-bound Hollywood establishment. That is very much part of the overall elitists. This is persecution taking shape. Persecution. You had someone standing up against illegal abortion, the trafficking in body members, the trafficking in human body parts illegally in California was filmed by a videographer. Nothing happened. There was no prosecution of the people who illegally trafficked in human body parts from aborted embryos. Instead, there were 18 charges brought against the videographer for exposing it. This is persecution. Christians need to wake up and realize it is persecution. The California State Assembly and Senate try to mandate by law that without parental consent, the state could mandatorily vaccinate your children against COVID with the COVID vax that doesn't even work, that has not been tested clinically long-term. They have the right to determine if your child should be vaccinated against COVID, you do not. Hand them over. A wicked, wicked woman. It is almost impossible for a woman like this not to go to hell. An MSNBC left-wing pseudo-journalist Melissa Harris Perry. She propounds the idea on mainstream media that children are not primarily the responsibility of parents, but of the community. Now you have to understand where she's coming from. 
the welfare state in the United States has done what the Democratic Party always did since slavery. They turned a black man into a stud breeding stock and then put him back in chains. To do, to do it, now they do the same thing. Absentee fathers in the black community, three out of four black American children are born out of wedlock with a very high imprisonment rate of black males. Even for crimes, that they should not be in prison for. Melissa Harris is a prosecutor, the president's, the vice president of the United States, a woman a half step from the Oval Office, put 1,500 black people in jail for smoking marijuana, admitting she smokes it herself or has smoked it herself. Well, so you have a culture now where three out of four black children are born out of wedlock and where the welfare state, the taxpayer, becomes the breadwinner and supporter of the children. The government, the community, have the responsibility for the children, not the parent. She is taking this aberrational social tragedy that the Democratic Party has always forced on Black people and made it, and, and trying to make it mainstream. Your children belong to us, not to you. This is wickedness. Now remember, these people have a platform in mainstream media, in institutions of higher learning, so-called, and in governments. One thing we know for sure is when they come for children, you cannot trust governments. It only takes one election or the change of one leader. Look with me, please, to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, following the death of Joseph, something happened. We are told in verse 8 of Exodus 1, a new king, a new pharaoh arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, as we've explained on other teachings unrelated to this one, Joseph is a type of Christ. Gentiles and Gentile leaders, heads of government who are Christians, who know the son of Joseph, Yeshua ben Yosef, will tend towards philo-Semitism, a love of the Jews. Those who don't know the son of Joseph, that is Jesus, will tend towards anti-Semitism, like you have with Barack Obama and Joe Biden, anti-Israel leaders. It only takes one change of government. You went from Donald Trump, not a perfect man, but he moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. But you had Barack Obama before him who lobbied other countries like New Zealand and, and England to vote against Israel and UNESCO, saying Israel is not entitled to control the Wailing Wall. This was Obama. And now those policies are being continued by Biden. 
Iran's threatening to destroy Israel and he wants to give Iran billions of dollars to sign a treaty they're never going to keep. Unbelievable. This is what's happening. It only takes one leader to come who's godless. One election can change everything. One change of leadership can change everything. Secondly, don't trust politicians. Their hands are tied by the system. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the king didn't want to do it, but his hand was tied by laws. Additionally, people put their hope in some kind of a political party. When Christians do that, it is conspicuously moronic. As we pointed out, when California voted for the Proposition 8 to keep marriage heterosexual, a homosexual judge who was a Republican, nominated to the bench by Ronald Reagan and appointed by George Bush, threw out the election results as a homosexual. He should have been recused. He dismissed the democratic will of the people. You can't trust politicians. You can't trust political parties. They're not going to do anything. Ronald Reagan did not lift one finger to stop abortion. On the contrary, he appointed a pro-abortion judge to the Supreme Court who ordered the Ten Commandments out of the, out of the judicial building in Alabama, Sandra Day O'Connor. You can't trust politicians. People think that a Ronald Reagan is going to be this. Ronald Reagan is not going to be your savior. I voted for Donald Trump, but he's not my savior. He appointed Greenville, a homosexual, to positions. Giuliani is marching in, in, in so-called gay parades in New York, in Stonewall parades. You can't trust people of a particular political party. Many Christians are being bamboozled into looking for some kind of political protection. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't vote. And it's not to say we shouldn't lobby politically and appeal to Caesar and use the rights we have while we still have them. And we should certainly pray for those in leadership. Absolutely. But you can't trust those people. You can't trust a politician. You cannot trust a politician anymore. You can't trust what a politician tells you any more than you can trust the words coming out of the mouth of a pimp or a prostitute on a street corner. Because morally, there's no difference between a politician and a pimp. Statesmen are few and far between. Politicians are plentiful. And you can't trust to believe a politician. Christians are putting the hope in things they shouldn't, in people they shouldn't. Now, again, I'm not speaking against voting and, and certainly not against praying and lobbying and writing letters. I do all that stuff. I write to Congress. I write to members of parliament in Britain. I certainly pray every day for the government. I pray that God will remove the godless people. I voted for Donald Trump twice, but he was not perfect. 
and he's not the source of our salvation at a time like this. The way Christians were betrayed by people they voted for thinking they were going to be pro-Christian and pro-life, like what Ronald Reagan did and the way he lied and deceived. Appointed judges who are pro-abortion after lying to, to Christians. These are the realities. Christians are very naive. We cannot afford to be naive anymore. They're coming after our children and grandchildren. What can we do about it? What does the Bible tell us? Let's understand this first of all. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 19, verse 14. Jesus said, let the children alone, don't hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from them. Children have sinned. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. But blessed is he who the Lord does not take their sin into account. At some age, a child will be accountable for their sin. Remember, the bears devoured the youth who mocked Elisha. No one says children cannot be wicked of hell-damning sin. But small children? Babies? Jesus said, heaven belongs to them. The compassion we have for parents who have lost a small child or a baby, it's horrible. But they have a guarantee. In an age when Jesus said, children will turn against parents, Parents against children, you'll be hated by all nations. Account of me. You are guaranteed that baby, that little kid, is with Jesus, and you'll see them again. You have a Down syndrome child. God bless you. May the Lord give you the grace to cope with that burden, because it is certainly a burden. It dominates most of your life. But their sin is never going to be taken into account. Jesus died for it, but it will not be charged against them. Now he's using the present active. To them belongs. They already have a guarantee of salvation. Until such time as they can be convicted of their sin and need to make a decision for Christ. Nobody else has it. Anybody else can have the guarantee of salvation if they repent and turn to Christ in faith. Anybody can have it. You and I can have it 
If we're born again and we follow Jesus by his grace, we do have it. But little kids already have it. It is easier for children to get saved than adults. They're naturally trusting. You'll see. You tell them bedtime stories from the Bible when they're little and you pray with them. They take it so seriously. Their hearts are open. They've not been corrupted by the world yet, at least not to the degree we are. Yes, they have a fallen nature, but they've not been conformed to the world yet. The first thing we have to know is Jesus loves our children more than we do. I'm sure you love your child and your grandchild, that baby, that little kid. I'm sure you love your little son and your little daughter. I'm sure you love them. You'd lay down your life for them. If you had to. But Jesus already did lay down his life for them, and he didn't have to. Yes, you love your children, and I love mine. I'm a grandfather, father, same as you. We love them, but not as much as Jesus loves them. He loves them more than we do. That has to be our point of commencement in looking at this dilemma we find ourselves in. This problem is not going to go away. There may be periods of easing up, but essentially the devil's coming for the kids. Jesus loves them more than we do. Second, Look with me, please, to Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. In order to stop the spread of the gospel and the Counter-Reformation, the Roman Catholic Jesuits invented what evolved into the Roman Catholic school system that we even have today, where children are indoctrinated with catechism and violated by pedophile clergy. And I was sent one, my mother, and they lied to me about the Bible. They lied to me about history. It's the Jesuit philosophy of education Give us a child to the age of seven, and he's ours for life. Now, of course, if somebody gets saved out of Catholicism, Jesus can break that hold, but they have a point. If you can put the love and truth and righteousness of Jesus in a kid from the time they're toddlers, something is there that cannot be removed. The children of Christians may backslide. The devil targets the children of Christians especially. 
and particularly of pastors and those in ministry. So often I hear a Christian young person goes away to college or something like this or university and they're exposed to the world on the world's terms for the first time and they lose their faith. When that happens, they usually return to Christ. Don't stop praying for them. Pray for them every day, every time you think about it. They usually return to Christ at some point. The question, of course, is how much of an unnecessary mess they make of their lives before they do return to Christ. But if you raise a child up in the way you should go, they will not forever depart from it. Is that 100% guarantee? Not necessarily, but it is a principle. We can get to our kids before the world does. We can get to our kids before the devil does. And it's urgent we do so. The scriptures speak far more about a father's love than a mother's love. That's remarkable in itself. Every Christian father needs to take responsibility for the spiritual headship of the family. Praying with the children, telling the children Bible stories, even when they're little. Family Bible studies. These things are crucial. Unless this happens in the home, in the family, the kid is not going to be able to survive the fallen world when he or she eventually have to set their foot outside the door and see what the world is really like. They've been living in a little corner of God's kingdom, of the coming world, the coming kingdom. When they leave home, go out for a job, go out to university, join the forces or whatever, now they've set foot into the fallen world. And it begins their first day of school as kids. We need to instill Jesus in them radically from the time they can take their first step Now let's continue. In Leviticus 18.21, we are warned about sacrificing children and burning them. Well, they're, they're burning the carcasses of aborted human embryos. The life of children means nothing to the world. It means nothing to the apostate church. It means nothing to politicians. Nothing but it means a lot to God. So what am I saying? Let's look at what happens when they come after the kids. Turn with me again to Exodus chapter 2, please. Verse 16, and the Pharaoh said, why are you helping the Hebrew women give birth, the midwives? See them upon the bird stool. If it's a son, you shall put him to death. If it's a daughter, she shall live. The women, of course, were potential sex slaves and things like this. 
kill him. Being a Jew is a capital crime. Kill him. It's like the Germans, the Nazis. Kill all the men, but if you had a young woman, we can use her as a whore to entertain German soldiers before they go to the Russian front. These things did not begin with, with, with the Nazis. They go back to the book of Exodus. But there was Moses. And Moses was protected. Now a man in verse chapter two, verse one, from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. They were both of a priestly tribe. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw he was beautiful, she hid him three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicked wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch and put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And then we know the rest of the story. Moses was protected by the faith of his parents. Parents who don't have faith are going to lose their children to this world. They're going to lose their children to the Antichrist system. Ultimately, they will lose their children to Antichrist, those who don't have faith. But the children of those with faith will be saved through the faith of their parents. God has a wicker basket for your child. And notice, Moses was rescued and rose to a position of prominence. If you have a real faith in the Lord, God has a wicker basket for your baby. Now, of course, we know Moses, according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, is a type, a shadow of the Messiah. The Messiah would be a prophet like Moses. So as Moses was protected from a wicked king, through the faith of his parents, so was Jesus. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. As with Moses, they're coming for the kid. When Herod's had been tricked by Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem. Oh, boy. Oh boy. But before this happens, verse 13, when they departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Notice to Joseph, not to Mary. The husband and father is the spiritual head of the family. Arise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. Herod's going to search for the child to destroy him. Mary didn't say, I don't want to go to Egypt. I like it here. I think it'll be all right. 
I don't see Herod coming for the babies. I think you're overreacting. I like this house. I like this. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And the feminism of the world has gotten into the church. So many Christian husbands are guilty of not taking responsibility. And so many wives are guilty of subscribing to the feminist ideology of the fallen world. When it comes to a decision about the welfare and the spiritual welfare of the family and children, the buck stops with the husband. A wife has to support him in all that is not contrary to the word of God. The Lord didn't speak to Mary. Now, he may have confirmed it to Mary. But it was Joseph's decision. Christian husbands and fathers have to take responsibility. I'm not talking about the lying garbage of promise keepers and their ecumenical distortion of what scripture says about being a Christian husband and fathers. Promise keepers was a shame and a disgrace, and I thank God it's gone. But I know what the Bible says. Christian husbands and fathers have to realize this. He had to flee to Egypt. You may need to relocate your family, get another job, set up a business in a different place, leave one state for another, immigrate, something. The Lord may lead you to spatially remove yourself from where you are. Jesus made this clear. When they persecute you in one place, flee to another. You may have to make practical decisions affecting propriety of a house and mortgages, affecting career, job, business, the education of the kids. You may have to make major decisions to uproot now make sure you're led of the Lord. You pray about it. You ask the Lord, and he will show you. But when he shows you, don't resist him. And remember, the final responsibility is with the husband. There will be women calling themselves Christians who buy into the feminist lie. We're going to put themselves and their families and their children are in extreme danger if they don't repent. Husbands and fathers have to take responsibility. But unless you have the right relationship with Jesus yourself, you can't take the responsibility. See these guys shrugging it off onto their wives. No wonder the wives are buying into the ideas of the world. If men don't take responsibility, look out. Abraham gave in to Sarah when he shouldn't have. This mess we see in the Middle East to this day goes back to that. Historically, 
The serpent beguiled the woman. He didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve. When the man is not the head, look out. Trouble is coming. Let's continue. Raise the child up. Remember, school teachers have more time with your children than you do. They have more time to inculcate your children with thoughts, ideas, beliefs than you do. Now, when you have a godless school system, left-wing teachers unions that are simply political campaign funds for left-wing political parties, people driven by a political agenda, a school system designed to fail, it's there to teach children what to think, not how to think. United States spends more on education per child than any other developed country in the world and gets lower and lower results annually. The whole system is in failure and is designed to fail. And investing in it is just throwing good money after bad. The whole thing is no good for several reasons, but that's not the focus of our message tonight. It began with evolution. Teaching a theory as fact without even teaching the counter arguments scientifically against the theory. They just present the theory as a fact. That was the beginning. Now, that homosexuality, bisexuality, transgenderism are normal. They're teaching it as a scientific fact without looking at the scientific evidence to the contrary. X and Y chromosomes. I have no problem with the school teaching sexual biology or human biology at an age-appropriate point in the education of a child. But the moral values don't come from the state. They're going after the kids. And like with the KGB, they will train the children to inform on parents. If your parents tell you it's wrong to be gay and your parents... The schools will then refer it to social services. Many of the social services, child welfare offices are themselves homosexuals and lesbians, by the way. They're coming after your kids. Mandatory COVID vaccinations for a vaccination that was never properly tested that some of the leading scientists in the world warned against, but were suppressed in the media and by government, corrupt government, coming after kids. No, I'm in favor of vaccinations that work, that are proven, that are safe. Inoculations that have been tested, but not this hocus pocus that doesn't even work. 
Fauci himself inoculated four times as COVID. Biden's been inoculated multiple times. He has COVID again. British Secretary of, of Health, Minister of Health of Great Britain, received inoculation and the booster and then got COVID. The person who invented messenger RNA, biogenetic engineering, the man who largely led the invention of it, Dr. Robert Malone, they suppressed one of the greatest scientists in the world who was the father of that technology, who said this thing is hocus pocus. With the chief research scientist, Dr. Yeadon of, of Pfizer, Pfizer's own chief research scientist, suppressed him. A Nobel laureate from the Pasteur Institute in Paris suppressed him. And they're bringing on movie stars and politicians telling people to get it and get it for their children. You can't go to school without it. Now, again, it was diphtheria or something. I'm all in favor of it. We run missions for children in India, Africa, and uh, the Philippines. We always get our kids inoculated for things that we know work and have been tested and have been around. But not COVID. Well, let's look. You need to be practical. Sunday schools are important. A good curriculum in Sunday school is important if you have a good church. But it's not easy to find a good church anymore for most people. And to find a good Sunday school is not something that is easily available to many, if not most Christians. No, it's what they get at home, but what about this problem of education, an educational system that doesn't work anyway? Now, understand something. The educational system as we have it was designed for a manufacturing economy. It was designed for an industrial age, not for the post-industrial age, not for the high-tech age, not for the information-based economy in which we live. It was designed to groom people to work in a factory culture where the teacher would be like the foreman and everybody would conform to this, to work on the assembly line and so forth. That was the ethos of the model. Now, it's computer innovation. It's cottage industries. Half of upstart companies begin in homes. Many people, where possible, are working from home. More education needs to be done in the home because that's where the work's being done. The school system is outdated. It's being kept alive for the financial and political interests of the powers who control it, not for the good of the economy or for the children, certainly. It's a dinosaur. It needs to become extinct anyway. 
There is a need for better Christian homeschool programs, but the establishment will come after homeschoolers. They're already beginning to try to do it. They've certainly done it in Germany. So what's next? I've told the story on two other occasions of a church I knew in my native New York called Soul Saving Station up in Harlem, a very bad neighborhood. I would sometimes go up to that neighborhood to purchase illegal drugs before I was a Christian. Anyway, I had friends who went to this Pentecostal church called Soul Saving Station. And I had friends there, but I, I loved the, the music, the black American gospel music, the choirs and things. <laughs> they had just had really good worship music. But <clears throat> uh, I'd go there sometimes. This is a church in a poor community. Didn't have much. But they had a Christian school. And unlike the surrounding schools run by the state, no drugs, no crime, no bullying, much higher results academically than the worthless garbage state schools. Why not Christian charter schools? Homeschools, Christian charter schools, and church-operated schools. <clears throat> oh, you have a degree in English? I will watch your children so you can teach English to my children in the Christian school. That's how they did it. These were poor people who didn't have much. They were not educated upper middle class people. But you know what? Their kids became educated upper middle class. That was the failure of the school. It did nothing for the community. As soon as these kids from Harlem got educated, they became members of the educated black middle class and they left, left Harlem. They said, I had to grow up in this place. My kids aren't going to grow up here. So when they got older and went off to make their careers and families and marriages and so forth, they left. They left the place. But the school was a success, became a victim of its own success, but it was a success. <clears throat> if poor people can make a Christian school, who can't? This is not a luxury. Now I know there's costs involved, but people have to be willing to do it sacrificially. Moriel is a major sponsor of a Messianic Jewish school in Israel, where the children of Jewish and some Arab believers are educated to a good standard academically, but in the ways of their Messiah. We believe in it. Our kids in India and the Philippines, we make sure. We make sure. But we all have to make sure. Jesus loves the kids more than we do. And that we can take comfort. And if you love him, 
He has a wicker basket for your baby. But you must be willing to act the way that Joseph acted when they came for his kid. You have to be willing to make major life-changing decisions if you have to for the sake of your family in terms of relocating, etc., and all that goes with that. It is a priority. It's a more important priority than your career or your business or your job or your mortgage or your whatever. Your kids are a bigger priority than the rest of it. Pray, vote, yes, but don't trust politicians or political parties. Remember, it begins at home. Raise a child up in the way he should go. He will not forever depart from it. The women should be like Mary. The fathers should be like Joseph. Let's move on. Then there's education. Commit your way to the Lord. Your plans will be established. In some cases, homeschool may be appropriate. Some cases, Christian school may be appropriate. Churches need to organize to be able to get charter schools that run on a Christian ethos. We need an alternative to the state schools. Our children and our grandchildren are no longer safe there. They're coming for our kids. The devil is orchestrating all of this. It's the hand of Satan coming for the children of Christians. We don't have to let him get hold of them. We have to get hold of Christ. He'll give us the wicked basket. He'll give us what we need. He'll show us what to do, how to react, how to handle it. Where to live. He'll show us. but we have to face the situation for what it is and not live in a delusional fantasy <clears throat> that it's going to get better in the long term. Even though there may be interim periods of respite, it will not get better in the long term till Christ returns. Or that we can vote Republican or vote for some politician and it's going to be all right. That's not going to solve the overall problem. Never. No. The scriptures address this issue. We see it in Luke 23. We see it in Exodus 2. We see it in Matthew 2, Matthew 19, Proverbs 22, Leviticus 18. It's all there. The Lord shows us what we need to be doing. Well, it's time for us to be doing it. Time is getting short. They're going to pass these laws and enact these things quicker than we know it. 
They're coming for the children. Our children. Our grandchildren. Praise God that there is a wicker basket. But we must face the reality for what it is. We must seek the Lord and be willing to do whatever it takes to protect those kids in these last days. Lord, have mercy on us and guide us, empower us, and provide for us. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, amen.